Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we learn all about a Bible topic, character or concept. And today we're learning about justice and sacrifice as we study the sermon, Joseph the Just. Sometimes what God deems as right and just in human thinking is just weird and foolishness. When we make that choice, it determines our character and in this case it determines what do we place value on? Are we placing our value on the temporary or in the eternal? You know, God has the final authority. And if God deems it as right and just, then it is right and just, even if the whole world is against it. Hi, my name is Christopher. And ladies and gentlemen, you're in for quite a treat because we have two very esteemed guests with us on our podcast today. We have our preacher for the Hello, day, everyone. Mr. It's a Jesse Marks. to be here. And we have also with us Miss Carolee Josie. Well, now that we've introduced our guests, we're good to go. Let's get into our recap. But just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, Joseph the Just, go to the link below and come back here later because this podcast is full of spoilers. Now, with that out of the way, let's go into our quick recap. Okay, so yeah, a quick recap of the sermon. So essentially, I was looking at the character of Joseph. Now, if any of you guys don't know the character of Joseph, he is right at the beginning of the New Testament in the Gospels, and he is the father of uh, Jesus, the, the mother of Mary. I'm sure you guys have heard about him at Christmas time and seen him in nativity plays. But this character is so amazing. I just really wanted to focus in on him because I often think he's very neglected. So throughout the sermon, I really have two themes that I cover as I look through this incredible man's life. I look at how justice, divine justice, and sacrifice is exemplified in this character of the Bible. I start off by looking at the the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew's perspective, how, you know, he was about to marry Mary, and then if you've heard my sermon, you sort of know what happens. There's a little bit of a mess-up. Mary is accused of... Um, yeah, essentially having a bit of promiscuous activity and she's accused of having a baby that's not hers. And Joseph is really wrestling with this and um, he decides against the the better judgment of the community, the, um, yeah, without the consent of the community and really just, yeah, really out of line with his whole culture to marry Mary anyway, to, to go against what everyone considers the right thing to do but to do what he thinks is the right thing to do and to do what he knows God thinks is the right thing to do. And so he goes and marries Mary. And through that act, he shows, as we'll look today, as we'll look at today, just incredible divine justice and sacrifice that he showed to show love to his family and to honor his God. I think it's an incredible story. And I hope, yeah, you guys are blessed by it today. All right, so let's get in... Okay, I'll start again. I think Kira was speaking, maybe. Okay. All right, let's get into our personal takeaways. Guys, what did you get out of this? Well, one of the things I found really cool uh, was the the Hebrew word for just, which was tzaddik. Um, And I liked how it wasn't just a... it's, It's not just like a word as in an adjective, as in somebody is just. It was also basically... 
uh, a position in that society, somebody could be a tzaddik. They were mm. considered to be a just person. Uh, and so, when you understand that concept, you realize that Joseph actually had quite this high moral standing in his society, or uh, he was definitely at least expected to adhere to a high moral standard because he was righteous or he was just. Um, and so, mm. I think when we have that understanding, you begin to see how much of a sacrifice Joseph makes in order to um, in order to spare Mary from basically public scrutiny. He stands by Mary, even though it looks like she's been promiscuous, uh, and he says, you know what, I'm willing to put my own moral standing in society on the line in order to help the person that I love. Uh, and as, as you mm. uh, parallel, we also see Jesus do a similar thing in that, you know, Jesus is God, he has this high standing, and yet he comes down on our level... Uh, and is willing to make sacrifices in order to save us, uh, once again demonstrating that love. So it's kind of ironic, hey, that uh, the father of Jesus is a type of Jesus in a, in a way. He's, he's symbolic of mm. the way that Jesus treats us. So that for me was really profound to get a better understanding of the immense love that God has for us, but also the immense sacrifice that he offers up. And I think that further exemplifies that character of love. I've heard about Joseph um, a lot before, obviously, obviously, as you do, like, especially um, I was thinking at Christmas time, um, and it's getting close to that for us. Um, so thinking about it, I always just thought, oh, yeah, Joseph, you know, he just raised Jesus. But I didn't really think um, about what that really um, entailed. And this was the first time that... Um, it really got me how much Joseph was actually sacrificing to be able to um, raise Jesus. Because looking at it, in society, um, back in Jewish society, it would have been absolutely crazy that this man would still marry um, Mary, even though she was pregnant um, with not his child and raising not his child. And um, So I just thought that um, it, it really sank in um, the level of sacrifice that um, Joseph had to make. Alrighty then, well, let's get into the main meat of the podcast, The Cutting Room Floor. Kira, what is The Cutting Room Floor? The Cutting Room Floor is a segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't make it into the final product and break them down. Nice. Alright, what have you got for us, Mr. Jesse? Sure. Well, as you would have picked up from my sermon, I finished off this story with uh, a look at really the life of Jesus. And similar to what you said, Chris, how Joseph really exemplified a lot of the characteristics that Jesus showed throughout his life. And I don't think that's um, insignificant either. I'm sure Jesus probably learned a lot of that um, from Joseph as well. But the sermon was actually going to be very different because originally I had the thought of comparing the story of Joseph and actually the rich young ruler. Um, and I really, I wasn't even going to talk about justice at all, justice at at all. I was going to just leave it at pure and simple sacrifice, which I thought would have been an interesting little comparison there. So essentially, um, when you look at the life of Joseph, and as we discussed before, how he sacrificed so much, I thought it's very interesting because uh, the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and obviously he was asked to sacrifice a lot as well. 
But of course, um, if you know the story, we know he didn't. For any of you guys who don't know the story, essentially this young rich man, a ruler of a province in the Judea area, came up to Jesus and pretty much asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, um, keep the commandments. And he said, you know, God, I've, I've done all of that. But there's got to be something more. Deep down in his heart, he knew he had to do something more. And so Jesus looked at him and said, give everything you have to the poor and come and follow me. Now, this is actually really incredible. Essentially, Jesus was calling out to this young Ritula to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, but unfortunately, of course, he, he counted the cost and he considered his, his great wealth on earth to to be more value to him than following Jesus and giving up everything just to, to have Jesus. And of course, that's where that famous line comes out that I'm sure many of you have heard. It's easier for a rich man to, uh, uh, it's easy for the, a donkey to enter the you know, eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the context for that verse. But no, I thought it was very interesting because in a way, Joseph was asked to do something similar. He was asked to give up everything he had, his reputation, his status and throughout the land, to have Jesus as well. Obviously not to be a disciple of Jesus, but to raise Jesus as a father. And um, he obviously counted the costs and he, he weighed up Jesus to be of more value than um, his status, his reputation. And I think he really... Um, yeah, I think he really benefited from that. As I've been reflecting. Actually, I was reading the story of uh, Daniel this morning and um, how he had to, to sacrifice, you know, the rich fruits of the kingdom of Babylon to to earn God's favor and to, to obey his dietary laws, right? And because of that, yeah, and because of that, like, I know it's it's hard to give it a bit cake sometimes, but um, now he did it. He did it for God. But um, yeah, and because of that, I was reading God blessed him. You know, he, he gave him wisdom. He gave him the gift of prophecy. And throughout the land, as the scriptures say, like he was 10 times, he and his friends were 10 times more capable than all the wise men through all out, all the land, all the, the, the lands and the countries that Babylon had conquered. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Although God asks us to sacrifice sometimes for him, what we gain with Jesus is so much more of value. Um like, yeah, we we have to sacrifice some things on earth, sure, but ultimately, having Jesus and the gifts that he gives us, the, the promise of a free life, an abundant life, I think that's so much more priceless. So, yeah, that was where this sermon was going to go, but yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this, guys? I think it's interesting how the, um, basically both of those characters were placed into a situation where they were forced to make a choice. And you can always determine uh, the character of a person based on their choices. When they've given two options, whichever option they choose will demonstrate to some extent their character. And in this case, what you're able to determine about each of their characters is what do they place value on? What, what do they deem as value? And for the uh, rich young ruler, he had been he put all this value in riches and wealth and earthly temporal things, things which aren't going to last for eternity. Uh, and what's interesting to me is that the value we place on these temporary things are completely arbitrary. Mm. They're, 
we we just associate you know wealth with being a value or uh, prestige or popularity or whatever it is that we're looking for. Uh, there's a completely arbitrary value that we place on it. There's nothing inherently of value there. Whereas Joseph was more than happy to neglect these things, which he realized had no intrinsic or inherent value. Um, he, he could see past that, and he just saw that Jesus was the only thing of any value. And I think that's really convicting for us, because we're presented with basically the same choice Mm. and so when we make that choice again it determines our character and in this case it determines what do we place value on are we placing our uh, value on the temporary or in the eternal and yeah uh, yeah i think it's a really convicting message to hear yeah, definitely. And it, it doesn't even have to be riches or anything like that as well. Like for Joseph, it was reputation. For the rich young ruler, it was riches. But really, it can be anything that we hold over our relationship with Jesus. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. Mm. So yeah, that that was where this sermon was going to go. But I, I changed it up. And um, yeah, as you would know, I decided to contrast the life of Joseph with Jesus instead. Um but let's have a little bit of a look now at the other side of my sermon, a little bit of the divine justice that Joseph shows. So in this sermon, I really just wanted to have a re-look at what justice means. Um, if you heard my sermon, you would have heard me say things like divine justice, divine justice, and how sometimes divine justice is different than what we consider justice to be. For example, um, if you were to, I don't know, hear about in this a story of a accused bank thief who um, robbed the bank, he robbed millions of dollars, what would you think justice would be for that man? Lock him up indeed. Throw him up. He has to give everything back. Yeah, give everything back, pay everything back, account for your crimes, and justice, you know, punish, 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 punish. And, like, as I said in my sermon, that this, that's, that's a good thing, right? I'm not saying that punishment for bad things is uh bad at all like you need punishment it helps you to grow it helps you to learn not to do those bad things again but i find it so interesting that all throughout the bible justice in terms of what god defines as justice is not actually punishment or in some cases it is but so often it's actually showing compassion and mercy and actually forgiving um, us rather than condemning us um, yeah, treating us better than we deserve. And this is just something I saw over and over again in the life of Joseph. So, yeah, like, um, and a second, sorry, where was I going with that? <laughs> All good. Okay, um, I might just leave it at there. I'll finish off. Do you guys want to say anything about that or... I'll I'll finish I'll will fi- finish it off properly, but yeah. Okay, and this is something and this is something I see time and time again in the life of Joseph. Yeah, I I think an even more interesting point, like just building upon that, is you mentioned uh, sometimes God punishes, and then most of the time God is more tending towards the compassionate route. Uh, but I find interesting as well that sometimes 
you see like a combo of both, and that is that God, mm. in His compassion, will allow for the natural consequences of your sin to catch mm. up to you. So He's not really even administering the justice; He's just kind of letting things play out. But He does so in compassion, and so, but okay, God gives you over to whatever consequences. How is that compassionate? Well, the idea is that God wants, basically, if if we suffer the consequences of our sin, and we realize, oh man, I've made a mistake. I'm in need of help. The next logical step then is to turn back to God. So, if God's been trying to reach out and reach out and reach out to us, and we keep rejecting Him, uh, God basically says, "All right, well, I can't force you to accept me. So, go for it." And so then we. Uh, end up suffering the consequences of sin, and then we realize, oh, okay, I need God. So even like God letting us go, in a sense, is this method of compassion, because the end goal is for us to always come back to Him.、Uh, and we see that with the Israelites in the wilderness. The Israelites don't want to go into the Promised Land, so God goes, "All right, here's the consequence: you guys have to wander the wilderness for forty years if you don't want to go in the Promised Land." And What was the end result of that? The generation that came out of the wilderness was more obedient to God、uh, than the generation before, because they realized, "Oh wow, we need God. Look, look what happens when we disobey.、Um, we've become,、uh, yeah, we're suffering the consequences of our sins. How about we follow God?" And in fact, you see the exact same after the、uh, exile. Israel gets invaded by Babylon after God, for hundreds of years, has been telling them to repent, and He says, "All right, I'm just going to revoke my protection. You guys don't want me to protect you. Here's the natural consequence:、uh, invading armies are going to come. So Babylon, they take away Israel, and then Israel, when they when they're allowed back into Jerusalem, the religious leaders say, 'Okay, we cannot.'" Do、uh, we? We can't go wrong again. We can't disobey God. We've learnt our lesson. We're turning back to Him, and we're firmly going to obey Him in whatever we do. So, yeah, I find it interesting that even when God is administering, as you said, justice, He's still got this method of compassion in the way that He does things. So, yeah, another aspect of、um, sacrifice and and justice was that. The idea of that sometimes doing the right thing in God's eyes isn't actually doing the right thing in the eyes of the world. Now, I thought, I to be honest, I thought this was really fascinating. I mean, um, it just sounds really wrong, doesn't it? Like, just doing the right thing in God's eyes is doing the wrong thing in the eyes of the world. But as you consider and you look through the Bible, it actually happens quite a lot. For example, I was thinking of um adding this verse in uh in my sermon, Galatians three verse. Thirteen. So maybe if we could、uh, look up that and give that a read. Christ redeemed、awesome. us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree." Hmm. So Paul talks about this a lot. How the gospel is to the Greeks, to the outside world, is considered foolishness. It's considered bizarre. And then, like here, perfect verse. Um, in the Old Testament. There is a, a law essentially saying that if you hang anyone on a pole, which is either crucifixion or just impaling somebody, 
that person is actually considered cursed by God. In, in Jewish thinking, um, the Messiah was not going to be crucified. He was not going to be hung on a tree. Um, because, like, yeah, as, as we discussed before, that's cursed by God. But no, sometimes, um, yeah. Oh, there's a verse. Where is it? I think it's in um, Corinthians. I can read this out. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It, sometimes in the eyes of the world, you know, we lack perspective, we're, our minds have been corrupted by sin, and sometimes what God deems as right and just and the, like, the best thing to do in human thinking is just weird and foolishness and even wrong. But, you know, God has the final authority. And um, if God deems it as right and just, then it is right and just, even if the whole world is against it. So I thought that was a really interesting thought. And that's very relevant for today as well, because there's a lot of uh, contentious issues in our society today where we're seeing this conflict between secular thought and faith. Mm. And basically, whenever, uh, regardless of the issue, people... Uh, from a uh, from a non-faith perspective will often say, well, what you're saying is foolishness. It doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, we, we're almost kind of seeing this uh, right in front of us at the moment, this idea mm. that, world, that this conflict between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom and the different ways and different issues in our society that we're seeing this conflict arise. And yeah, it, it kind of like Joseph, it's a bit of a uh, a call to stand up for that wisdom in spite of the potential ridicule which follows as a result. Mm. So, what are you what are you thinking of when you're saying that, though? Uh, it could be a variety of things. So, for ex- so for example, you have like bioethical issues. Uh, so, you have you know uh, things concerning like abortion or euthanasia or uh, just I- in general the uh, the morality of our society is very different. Exactly. An obvious one is, as well is like creation and the whole evolution debate thing. Like, to the world, creationism is seen as foolishness. It's bizarre. It's it, like stupid. Who would believe that? But yeah, nah, it's a very good point. Yeah. So I, I think it's a very interesting time in which we live, especially because we have a division of church and state, right? So. Uh, when these when these issues begin to come into a legal and political sphere, uh, how how should they be handled? Um, yeah, uh, that, that, that's a different topic, but just just an interesting thought. Yeah, seeing this conflict between these two wisdoms and the ramifications that we see in our society as a result. But today, yeah, but we we want to do what we want to do, and so we want to justify whatever means we can, and yeah, if that means. Yeah, making the way God wants us to go foolish, then that's that's what we're going to do. Mm. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was a very fascinating topic. And, yeah, as Chris said, we could discuss this for a long time, and maybe in the future we can. But, um, yeah, I thought something to think about. Uh, even, like, uh, especially in Australia, I know uh, we have a very much of a drinking culture. Um, you know, it's your 18th. Basically, that's licensed to get absolutely sloshed for the night. And if you don't want, and if you don't want to, if you don't want to get drunk, you know, godly wisdom, it's viewed as foolishness. It's like, well, why wouldn't you? You're eighteen. Well, it's just because we um we ha- we know what we want, 
and we're going to try and find any way to make it okay. That's true. As you said, Jesse, if we want to do something, we'll justify it, hey? And so, yeah, it looks like even within uh, the faith, people aren't exempt. We still fall into that sinful nature and still will try and justify ignoring godly wisdom with our own human wisdom. So, at the beginning, I think, Chris, you mentioned that um, there could actually be a, quite a good contrast between Joseph and Jesus. Like, almost Joseph was a type of Christ. And I think that's very insightful because um, I was actually going to add a, a few little things I read in a book about Joseph. That, like, of course, Jesus was a son of God. He, um, But I'm sure that the the great man that Joseph was influenced Jesus in many ways, raising him. Um, and I think that actually comes out in quite a few of the things Jesus did in his life and a few of the parables that he told. Sweet. Oh, just from the two parables sections. Okay. Sweet. So Jesus, yeah, Jesus told, Jesus told two parables with um, this idea of justice in mind and what Joseph had did and how um, I'm sure that the life of Joseph influenced Jesus as he was growing up. Um, the first parable is found in Luke chapter 14, and it's found from verse 16 to 24. So I won't read it to you today, but I really encourage you to go back and read it yourself. But essentially, it tells the story of a king who's putting on this great feast, and he sends out this invitation to all his friends. But in the most insulting ways possible, this friend, the friends actually reject this kind offer from the king. And of course as anyone would be, the king is very angered by this. But, like Joseph, even though Joseph was, was frustrated and a bit angry that um that Mary was what he thought Mary had done, how she had, you know, had an illegitimate child, which of course she didn't, but this is what Joseph thought, the, the king turns that grace into um, compassion, and he instead goes out into all the the community goes to the the back streets to the rejected to the lowly and he actually invites them to come to the the community so like joseph he turns his anger into grace just that idea is interesting because normally we say uh you take your anger out on someone right so let's say somebody has been making you really angry at work right uh and then uh you you come home and you catch up with some friends and then you get mad at your friends. And your friends are wondering, what what on earth? What did we do? The friends didn't do anything, but he's taking out, or whoever it is, is taking out their anger on somebody else. They don't want to take it out on the person who's actually caused them that, but they take it out on someone else. Whereas in this parable, the the man, he gets angry that people have rejected his invitation, but instead of lashing out on other people, he shows compassion on other people. That's like his version of doing it. Instead of venting with anger, he just basically vents with grace and compassion. So I find that really interesting how it's so unlike our regular reaction. Our reaction is to just find the nearest thing and lash out our anger at it, not normally to give grace and compassion. It's it's very counter to our nature. Mm, definitely. Um, I should have actually mentioned, I should have start, started with this. Like, how did Joseph actually exemplify this? Um, in the the translations as you're reading this, some people rendered this word considered, some people pondered. But essentially, the Bible says that when Joseph found out about Mary, that he thought about this whole 
situation. He considered it. He pondered it. Like that's that's a correct interpretation. But um, in the Greek, that really could be considered as angry or frustrated or various, very upset. And I'm sure uh, any of us would be if you found out your wife had essentially been sleeping around and had another child that was not yours. You would be pretty angry. I would be pretty angry. But um, yeah, as we read in this parable. Joseph turns his anger into compassion, into compassion, which is so profound. And if you won't get very much into depth with it, but there's another parable that Jesus talks about this as well. That's found in Matthew chapter 12, verses um, 1 through the 12. And that's the story of the vineyards. Um, essentially, you have this vineyard owner, and he lends out his vineyard to some tenants, some, pe- some people to look after it, to care for the food, and to, yeah, essentially just take care of it for him. But they're bad tenants, and they take over this place. And when the servant, or sorry, when the the master, the owner of the vineyard, sends servants to come and get the money that they really owed back to the vineyard owner, they actually beat up the servants, or they they sent them away, or sometimes they even killed them, and they tried to take this vineyard for themselves. But um, as we discussed before, the the natural thing for us humans to do is to be angered by this and lash out at those vineyard owners. Uh, sorry, those tenants. But what does the vineyard owner do? He actually sends his son, which of course is um, representing God as well. But no, nah, it's very profound, isn't it? Instead of lashing out at people you're angry at, show compassion. It, it did legitimately remind me of your sermon, uh, The Prodigal Wife. Yeah, uh, we looked at your sermon, The Prodigal Wife, in ASP episode 6, which just so happened to be our Valentine's Day special. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, you uh, again, it is a very similar story. The The prophet Hosea, he has a, a wife, and his wife uh, commits adultery with him, and yet Hosea takes his wife back. And this is demonstrated, uh, This, uh, as you said, it, it was a parallel of God showing his love to us. We... Uh, through sinning, have disobeyed God uh, and have basically committed adultery on Him, going after other things, putting other things before Him in that relationship. Uh, And so, yeah, I just noticed that parallel with the story here with Joseph. Now, Mary, of course, uh, actually didn't commit promiscuity in this case, but the society viewed her as such. That was the general appearance. Um, And so, Joseph... Again, uh, similar to Hosea, still uh, he shows his love by taking back this uh, this woman who basically has been rejected. She's a social pariah, and I think that's even more convicting when you begin to think that hey, we're we're the ones in that story who have gone and do that, uh, have gone and done that. We're basically the social pariah in that story. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend if you want to get a bit more in depth into this kind of topic that we've just been talking about for the past few minutes, go check out uh, episode six, our Valentine's Day special. And Jesse had some really great stuff to share with us uh, about the story of Hosea and his wife Goma, the prodigal wife. Definitely go check that out. Mm. So no, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because even if you look at Jesus's life, he always had a heart for promiscuous or scandalous woman, didn't he? Um for example, Mary, or the the woman caught in adultery. Uh, actually, the woman at the well. The woman at the well, exactly. Like, all throughout, it it's so interesting. And something I was reading in um, a book about this, I'll share the source with you at the end, but uh, the author makes the point that Jesus probably 
had a heart for women such as like this because the society around him viewed his mother like this as well. In the eyes of the world, his mother was one of those scandalous women. And so Jesus hanging around his mother all this time, who knows, perhaps that really just influenced him and gave him a heart for women like this all throughout his ministry, which I think is really fascinating. So yeah, just to end things off, I just want to leave you guys with a thought. Um, just to stop and maybe reread the story of Joseph again and just reflect on how incredible this man was. Yes, he was flawed, just like all of us, but truly incredible. Um, just looking back at the, the the life of Joseph, it just really hit me. What awesome parents Jesus must have had. I mean, really, just all they went through for Jesus, all they gave up for for Jesus and how well they must have raised Jesus to be the Messiah. I mean, like, if God had to choose parents to raise his own son, I'm sure he would have chosen the best. And when I look at the life of Joseph, you know what, I think that's, yeah, he, he's the best. I mean, just look what that man went through. His heart, his heart for Mary, his heart for Joseph. Um, Yeah, it's incredible. So just one last thought I want to leave you with. Um, In, in Jewish culture, it... It was usually expected for the mother to name the child. But I find it really interesting that it's the angel who tells Joseph that he is to name the child Jesus. And if you really think about this, I think it's the final act of Joseph, just the creaming on the cake. It's it's Joseph showing Mary and the world outside him, and even Jesus, that he is accepting Jesus. Even though the, the society outside thought Jesus was an illegitimate child and that Mary was a sinner. Joseph, by naming Jesus, was saying, you know what, I accept Jesus, I accept that Mary is innocent, and I accept this life um, as the father of the Messiah. And what an awesome life that would have been. So yeah, just reflect on that this Christmas holidays, on the life of Joseph, and just, yeah, see how we can all live lives of compassion and show justice and mercy and not hatred this Christmas. So yeah. Well, Jesse, do you have any recommended readings for us? Yes. Um, two, oh, actually, our main source is this book by this individual called Kenneth Bailey. It's a really, really good read. Um, the, the chapter is actually uh, the sermon title. I borrowed the sermon title from the chapter name. It's called Joseph the Just, and the book is called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, I believe. It's essentially this uh, scholar who has spent most of his life living in the Middle East. And so when he talks about the Bible and the stories, he gives an Eastern perspective. So he really gets in depth. He shows uh, the cultural significance of the text and what that's saying. And just some really beautiful and interesting insights. Um, I think you'll really be blessed by that. So I believe it's called yeah, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Kenneth Bailey. I, yeah, I think you'll love that little book. All right, and Jesse, where can these people find you? Well, they can find me on my YouTube channel, just simply Jesse Marks. And um, yeah, obviously on the After Sermon podcast, I've got a few episodes in there as well. And uh, Kira, where can people find you? Just at YouTube, um, my username is embarrassing. Um, so it's Bugs is an artist, no spaces. Um, so don't make a username when you're a kid. And... Um, also, yeah, like Jesse, a few ASP episodes as well. Um, Christopher, where can people find you? 
They can find me here every week on the After Sermon podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Christopher Peterson. That's spelt with an S-E-N. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the podcast today. Make sure to check out our podcast on all the different platforms we have. We're on YouTube, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, we've got it all. So make sure to join us there, and don't forget to like and follow us on our Facebook page under the same name, After Sermon Podcast. That way, you'll get links to the upcoming sermons for podcast episodes a week ahead of schedule. It's a pretty good deal. Thank you so much for supporting us, guys, and for listening in with us. That concludes today's podcast, and we hope you've been blessed as we've discussed Joseph the Just. Make sure to come back in a fortnight for another episode, and with that said, have a good one, and good night.